Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard and the Foundation for Defense of Democracies is Tom Jocelyn, who has a fascinating and yet, Tom, terrifying piece. i got to say, when I read your piece about the other guys who slipped through the FBI's fingers in addition to the Orlando killer, it did not uh, make for a good night's sleep. Yeah, you know, I think one of the more disturbing aspects in all of this is that uh, really the Orlando killer is the fourth jihadist now that we've seen uh, where he was investigated by the FBI. He was suspected of going down that dark path and he still slipped through the cracks and committed a, a mass casualty attack. And so the other three would be the Fort Hood shooter in November 2009, the uh, one of the two brothers in the Boston Marathon bombings in April 2013, and of course, uh, one of the uh, husband and the husband and wife duo who shot up a holiday party in San Bernardino in December of last year was in fact investigated by the FBI. So in each one of those cases, these are people who were on the FBI's radar. There was at least some contact with the jihadist world that was being investigated, and yet they went on to commit an attack. And is there a commonality in what the FBI either missed or what they declined to do? And I always refer to the Fort Hood shooter, Nadal Hassan, and you know the story. He's at a medical meeting for the military doing, what I forget what they call it, but you stand in kind of a round, you, you present to your other doctors, and he's presenting on decapitation in the name of yeah. Allah, and nothing happens. I mean, they just, okay, great. Thanks for that great presentation. <laughs> what? I mean, is that, well, I think, is that what it is? Well, you know, I, I, I think there are two levels to this. I mean, on the on the macro level, you have to be a little bit sympathetic to the FBI because they are dealing, they're overwhelmed and they only have a certain number of resources. There are only a certain number of people they can investigate full time. Uh, and, you know, if you look back at what uh, FBI Director James Comey said just last year, um, and of course Comey's been warning about this for a while, he said that they had over 900 or approximately 900 investigations into jihadi sympathizers inside the U.S. that were active at the time. Now, he said that in October of last year, and what I think is fascinating is that Omar Mateen was not one of the 900 being currently investigated. He was investigated back in 2013, then he sort of came up tangentially in another investigation in 2014, but there was no active investigation in Mateen in 2015, and yet then the following year, 2016, he goes on to commit the, the worst mass shooting in American history. So what you see from the FBI, if you follow their rhetoric over the last year and a half, they've been saying this over and over again, that the system is blinking red, they can't keep up with all of it, there are too many threats to track, and you know there's only a certain amount of predictive power that the FBI can sort of employ in these investigations. We don't live in a world where you know we can stop all crimes beforehand, of course. You know? But by the same token, there is something going on here which I think is, is a little bit disturbing. You know, If you look at the specific reasons that they talk about the Fort Hood shooter, for example, uh, Nadal Hassan. What I found disturbing about that case was that the FBI knew that he was contacting Anwar al-Awlaki, a top al-Qaeda cleric, and they dismissed his communications as being consistent with his research as a psychiatrist at the Walter Reed Medical Center. Well, uh, lo and behold, you look at the actual emails that come out, there's nothing about research in them whatsoever, <laughs> nothing about doing any kind of post-traumatic stress uh, disorder uh, research whatsoever. It's all about, hey, can I basically go kill uh, my fellow American soldiers? He, he holds up an example of another American soldier who was a Muslim who killed right. his uh, comrades, and he basically asked about the permissibility of that. Um, so, you know, that's what I invest, what I'm interested in in terms of the FBI's investigation with Mateen. What are the specific things that were missed or explained away? And I think Comey's comments 
the Monday after the attack, really within 24 hours, just over 24 hours after the attack, show that some of the some of the, the explanations he offered were not exactly comforting to me. So, for example, one of the things they learned about Mateen was that he said openly during the 2013 investigation that he wanted to become a martyr. Well, you know, the word martyr is loaded. And this is, of course, a word that it, only somebody who is really thinking about the jihadist ideology or going down that path would use that phrasing. And yet, basically, everything we learn about Mateen is that up until this attack, three years or more, up until his attack in Orlando, he was sort of going down that way. And that's really what's, uh, I, I think, uh, troubling, as you said at the outset. And I think it's important for the listeners to realize that you're not exaggerating about these things. In other words, he specifically used the word martyr. He was linked to a suicide, a successful suicide bomber. His yeah, his father is a pro-Taliban activist. In the case of Nadal Hassan, he literally talked about, I want to kill soldiers. He talked about pouring hot oil down the, the body of the severed head after you've killed him. And it's the silence, I think. Uh, that Tom that has us frozen. So I want to ask the obvious follow-up question: Is it really the case that the FBI doesn't know who to prioritize, or is it the case that the more you behave like someone who sh you sh should be prioritized, that is, the more devout you are to your Islamist ideals, the more you use language out of the faith of Islam, the less the FBI wants? to get involved in pursuing you because of the politics and this notion that investigating terrorism is a form of xenophobia or Islamophobia? Well, you know, I'll say this, but I know um, a, a fair number of people in the FBI, and there are a lot of good people there who are doing real investigative work. I think that they do have a, a, a significant challenge on their hands. I think ultimately the story here is the system is, is blinking red and it's overwhelmed. They can't keep track of it all with their resources. I think that is the, the prime story here. Uh, however, you know, you see some details in the story of Mateen, for example, where when he makes these threatening comments to his coworkers back in 2013 and he self-identifies with both al-Qaeda and Hezbollah, uh, both terrorist organizations which, uh, you know, uh, threaten the West and have, you know, attacked Americans, uh, he basically says that, oh, he only did that because he felt he was being bullied as a Muslim by his coworkers, which is sort of invoking the Islamophobia card. And perhaps there's something in the FBI's investigative files that we need to see on, on that score that maybe that dissuaded them from pursuing it further to some, to some extent. But I don't think that's necessarily the big story here. I think the big story here is that the FBI has been warning for two years, basically, that something like this was coming, that they can't keep up with it. And that they are, you know, the system is blinking red, and so therefore that we're in trouble. And Orlando just vindicated those warnings. Uh, Tom Jocelyn, you write about these issues a lot for the Weekly Standard. You also deal with them at the Foundation for Defense Democracies on a daily basis. So you're one of the most knowledgeable members of the audience. When you hear our intelligence officials talking to Congress, reporting on where we are, and then you hear the President of the United States talking about the same post Orlando environment and he won't use the word Islam, and he seems to be focused on hate crimes and LGBT rights and the Second Amendment. Are you like me? Do you think you're listening to people from two different planets talking about their terrorism problem? Or is there a commonality there that I'm missing? Well, you know, it's interesting. You're talking about, you know, just yesterday, CIA Director John Brennan basically threw Obama under the bus in a lot of ways in terms of his assessment of the threat. What I found most interesting about that is that John Brennan is a guy who's been carrying water for the administration and for the president on these ideas and his take on it 
for really the, the entire administration. It's really only now that Brennan is really starting to break with Obama on these issues. And Brennan is somebody who has tried to spin away the jihadist threat in terms of his rhetoric, and, and he's also played a big role in defining down al-Qaeda, which currently affects our assessments, I would argue. Um, you know, To give you one example, in July 2011, Brennan gave a talk where he said that the idea of a caliphate is an absurd, feckless delusion. Those are his words, not mine. And that we're not going to organize our counterterrorism policies around this, this absurdity. Well, you know, it may be absurd to us from the outside saying they don't really have a caliphate and they're not close to having a real caliphate, but this is an idea that motivates an awful lot of violence. And perhaps if we did actually organize our counterterrorism policies around discrediting this idea and discrediting their push to build a caliphate, maybe we'd have less terrorist threats in the West right now. And yet here we have John Brennan yesterday basically saying, you know, yes, we've rolled them back overseas, but the threat has sort of grown elsewhere in the West and basically we have a big problem on our hands. And this goes to show just sort of how I would say how, in, in fact, how feckless our leadership is on these issues, that we can't even address the basics of what our enemies are about in sort of a well-informed, intelligent manner and actually take the fight to them both on the ground and in the realm of ideas. And that's what I want to conclude with is, so what should the public policy be both uh, foreign and domestic in the wake of where we are now and the fact that the FBI simply is not going to be able to track all the dangerous people inside our border already? Yeah, I mean, that that's the key question. The FBI, of course, is the last line of defense, or at least their local, local for, law enforcement partners probably would be the last line of defense. But they shouldn't be on the – they're not – the offensive capability of the U.S. isn't harbored within the FBI. And really, we're sitting here in 2016, and we're still having this ridiculous debate over what to call our enemies and whether or not the phrase radical Islam is appropriate and, and uh, things along those lines. You know, to be honest, radical Islam is not a phrase I generally use, not because I find it offensive or that it's going to turn off the Muslim population, but because it's not very descriptive and not really doesn't really say much about what we're facing. What we're facing really is the threat of jihadism or Salafi jihadism, which is a distinct ideological movement within the Muslim majority world. And if you talk to Islamic clerics who are not jihadists, if you talk to Muslims who are not jihadists about this ideology, for the most part, you're going to, they're going to understand what you're talking about, and they're going to understand that the jihadists actually have killed and will kill in perpetuity many more Muslims than non-Muslims. And in fact, this is a common, uh, a common really for a lot of people around the globe, this is a common enemy for us. And, but without being able to address that, without it starting with what the actual ideology is that we're trying to fight and trying to pin back and identify those who are part of the movement and those who are not, who are those who are part of the organizations and those who are not, you can't really start to put together a real global strategy for what it is you're facing. And so we get these sort of... Um, really uh, cockamamie ideas like countering violent extremism. Well, what is violent extremism? Define that. You know, I mean, I can do, I can define jihadism very easily, uh, you know, in, in, for many, in many ways. Uh, but violent extremism is sort of becomes this rubric that covers just about anything under the sun. And you can't really start defeating your enemies globally, in the, in, especially in the realm of ideas, if you don't actually address those ideas. And so we're, we're still at square one, I would say, Michael, in many of these ways. You know, yes, we have the drone campaign. Yes, we have this high-value targeting of leaders in the Islamic State and al-Qaeda. Yes, we've built up some allies that are taking the fight to the so-called caliphate in Iraq and Syria and elsewhere. But in the realm of ideas, which is really where any war begins, we're still at the starting point. 
So would it make sense to uh, deploying our resources here in the United States to emphasize, as you said, the jihad notion so that mosques and communities where people are talking about jihad specifically as opposed to, you know, foreign policy disagreements, you know, whatever, Palestine versus Israel, that that's where you would focus your resources. And if you're somebody who's, you know, uh, got, you know, the jihad vibe you're going to get more looks from the FBI than if you just happen to be young and angry, which is a condition that afflicts, you know, people, particularly men of every faith and creed. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, well, look at look at Omar Mateen. Look at his career and what the FBI has said about it, or his life, I should say, back to 2013. You know, uh, Director Comey was very apt to try and point to the contradictions. You know, on one hand, he was saying he had family ties to Al-Qaeda, but he was also claiming to be a member of Hezbollah. Well, you know, the truth is, you know, there is a little bit of a contradiction there. But, of course, those two organizations have cooperated in the past against us. And they are both jihadist organizations that have a deep, deep animosity for the West. And, yes, one is Sunni and the other one is Shiite, but they both have the jihadist ideology as sort of the backbone of what they're about. You know, and then you look at the other things that they learned along the times, the, word, the use of the word martyr. Well, that's a jihadist concept. You know, the idea that, you know, he was looking at uh, videos by Anwar al-Awlaki. Anwar al-Awlaki is one of the premier jihadist ideologues of all time until his death in 2011. And unfortunately, his ideas still resonate to this day. So what I'm saying is if you look at Comey's, what he has said about this dossier of Omar Mateen, right up until the point he swears allegiance to the Islamic State as he's committing this attack, those data points say that this is a guy whose brain is being infected with these jihadist ideas. And that's a very distinct thing that you can identify. But, of course, according to the administration, you can't say jihadist because that, to them, you know, somehow means that you're actually validating this idea or saying that they have religious credentials. When actually what it means in most of the Muslim majority world is these are the violent guys who are coming for us to enforce their ideology. And most Muslims, I think, based on my own experience, know that and experience that. And we shouldn't treat Muslims like children who can't have this conversation because they're having this battle every day in their own countries. Thanks for having this conversation with us, Tom Jocelyn, with the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies and the Weekly Standard. We appreciate your time. Thanks a lot, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.